Paul was writing to those obstinate, obstreperous, difficult Galatians. And he said, am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. When my mom and dad first moved to Minnesota, God's country, 50 years ago, they were startled by some strange behavior. Sometimes when they call old-timers, these are people who had immigrated many years before from Norway, Sweden, and Finland. Those old folks did not answer the phone with a pleasant hello. Instead, accustomed to a different convention from their part of the world, the immigrants would answer with an abrupt, What do you want? My mom never did ever get over that. Well, civil conventions were expected in the ancient world just as much as hello is today, if not more so. Greetings and conclusions to letters followed a gracious pattern, and they were offered elaborate introductions. So today, when Paul suddenly winds up and pitches, Paul, an apostle sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, To all the members of God's family who are with me, grace to you and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from this present evil age. When we hear that, we have to think to ourselves, game on. Paul is all in for this one, isn't he? Paul had a wonderful God-given talent, like a great short story writer, of getting the theme of his letter into the very first lines. So we need to hear that sentence. All those members of God's family who are with me. And you can hear what Paul's showing, can't you? First, there's more than one family in this world. But of all those families, there's only one family called God's family. And guess who's part of that family? It's Paul and us as well. So this is going to be an us and them letter for all those who nostalgically long for the glorious unanimity of the first century church. It's time to get real. Paul can write a brilliantly diplomatic letter when he wants to. All we have to do is look at the letter of the Romans. But Galatians is a bare-knuckle letter. No question, if Paul's writing with this sharp tone of voice, there's a great deal at stake. And that's where Paul's last sentence comes in, to set us free from this present evil age. Now, on the face of it, I suppose most moderns would think Paul's talking about the Roman Empire as the evil age, and perhaps he is in part. But more emphatically, Paul was talking about the evil age right there in the Galatian churches. 
There's evil infecting the Galatian church, and that evil is another gospel. Now, historical critics have done a great job of sorting out what that gospel might have been, reconstructing it. And here's the truth. If you were a member of those Galatian churches, this other gospel would have sounded plausible to you too. Listen, here's how the argument develops. You ready? Jesus was a Jew, right? Are we right? Are we all together? And he lived according to the law, right? How many times did he say that? So when Paul's enemies come contending that if the Gentiles in Galatia want to be real followers of Jesus, then they need to be circumcised and to live the rule of the law just as Jesus did. Now, doesn't that sound reasonable on its own terms? Doesn't that sound like a plausible gospel to you? And here's where we have to sit up straight now and really pay close attention to what Paul's writing us. The false gospels of this world, and not just the gospel to the Galatians, but all the false gospels of this world, look a lot like the real thing. But they are not the real thing. The strange and frightening nature of evil, as Paul shows us, that it's not something horrifying and terrifying like Freddy Krueger or one more summer full of zombie invasions. That's all too obvious. Real, insidious evil comes in a beautiful, attractive form. Now, here's a quiz for you ten o'clockers. What's the number of the beast? 666. You know why the beast is numbered like that? Because he falls one short of the perfect number of Christ, 777. Three times seven. The perfect number. The beast is appealing. He's seductive. He's thoughtful. And he's completely evil. Now Paul writes in this letter that the strange nature of these competing gospels, his from Jesus Christ, is that somehow these gospels can occupy the same space at the same time. Now both sound sensible, as we've heard, both of them are reasonable. But when two gospels claim to have the truth, it only makes sense even in a pluralistic world like ours, that only one of them is the truth. One gospel is true, the other false. Now how can you tell the difference between the gospel of truth and the false gospel? I hope I'm not giving anything away, but in the coming weeks as we read our way through Galatians, Paul will reveal this essential difference between intruder gospels and the real gospel. The intruding gospels seek to enslave us, but the real gospel means to set us free. Well, I think you can see that problem in our own time. We have other gospels competing for our attention, too. Lots and lots of other gospels. And what I mean by gospel is that in the time of Jesus, when the emperor made a proclamation that served him and the empire... 
He called that gospel good news. And the irony, of course, is good news for whom? For the emperor? Not for the people. And just so in our time, we live in the midst of any number of competing gospels, all of which make us promises of freedom. And you know the drill by now. We could do it together. If you buy these toys, if you live this lifestyle, if you can enjoy this kind of career, these gospels promise you that you will be free of worry. Now, we often see through these vapid gospel promises, but the truth is they are so seductive, they are so appealing, that even when we know better, that pill is not going to make me more handsome, we still buy. And Paul is here this morning to tell you how to see the difference. All of these earthly gospels that promise you freedom cannot ultimately deliver We can be promised the freedom of looking, feeling, and living better, but none of these Gospels, when it comes to the bottom line, can deliver the ultimate freedom. The Gospel Paul preaches, that's our Gospel, delivers the big freedom. We will not, we cannot die forever. You hear that? We cannot die forever. Forever. When the beautiful gospels of this world promise, and 666, look at their common denominator, all of their promises must in the end come for naught. They all die. But look at the promise of Jesus Christ. He promises, do not fear. Jesus tells us that our life has extraordinary meaning extraordinary beauty, and most of all, that we are extravagantly loved. And believe this, you and all those you know will one day live forever. And that's a promise. That's one that Jesus can keep. And he did keep it already in the resurrection. Amen.